Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Awesome, awesome. What an awesome atmosphere of worship. Let's give a shout out to this team, man. They just continue to amaze us every week as we enter in the presence of God and and uh, I'm just going to jump right in here. We've got a lot to say today as we're in this series on what do I do with this. And, and uh, how many are appreciating all these series that Pastor Brad has been bringing and, and just life-changing word. And uh, I, I want to just reinforce that promo that Pastor Brad gave. Tonight is so important. I will be honest with you and say being here tonight is really more important than being here this morning. That uh, both are very important, but we really want to encourage you to be here tonight and hear what God has laid on our pastor's heart. I, I, I'm thanking God. He's my son, but uh, he's also my pastor and my leader, and I'm thankful to have a pastor that hears from heaven, cares about me and my family, and wants to see me and you and our families reach the full potential that God has for us. Anybody want to say amen with me for that? And so uh, be here tonight. But what do I do with this? Pastor Brad started off with the first message on what do I do with this, and then last week he followed up on what do I do with these feelings inside of me. And Pastor Brad approached me several weeks ago and said, Dad, I want you to do part three, and I wanted you to talk about what do I do with this deep physical and emotional pain caused by others? What do I do with the betrayal, the false accusations, the rejection, the abuse, the molestations, the rape, the humiliation? What do I do with this event that happened in my life that has owned me? It has described me. It, it has defined me. It has owned my emotions, my personality, my character has been completely owned and defined by this situation that I didn't ask for. I didn't want it, but it happened anyway, and it's owned my life, and I don't know what to do with it. Are we talking to the right church or do we need to go somewhere else? You see, my question today is not why do bad things happen to good people. I want to know why do bad things happen to me? Come on, somebody. You see, what do I do with this event? My story, many, some have heard a little bit of it. I'm going to share a little more today, but I grew up in a very strong Christian home. Uh, Father, mother that loved God. We were in church every time the doors were open. My dad taught me to pray. He taught us to read the scripture. No pastor had to do that. We were a strong, conservative family. And, uh, and then at the age of 12, we grew up every year going up to my grandmother's house in Quincy, Florida, where I was born, just north of Tallahassee. And uh, next to my grandmother's house was this black man named Paul. We have a picture of Paul. And uh, he was like a second dad to me. Uh, I grew up with this man in my life, and I couldn't wait. We would go, and oftentimes I would stay several weeks in the summer at my grandmother's house. I really slept at her house and stayed at Paul's. And Paul would take me out in those woods behind his house, and we would hunt and shoot guns and do all kind of things together. And he called me Little Dan, and, and uh, he was my, my buddy. He was my best friend in my life, even though he was way older than me. And every Christmas we would go, and, and uh, Paul eventually went blind, and he died. And uh, I have a picture of Paul on my desk at home. I don't have one of my grandfather's because I never got one of those, but I got one of this man because he had such an impact in my life. And it's very important. And I'm going to mention race a little bit in the beginning here. And if you're new here, please stay with me. Don't take any offense because in the end, you're going to see the, God get the glory out of all of this. Can you just give me that? And, uh, and so I would go back, and, and when I was 12 years old, I went behind my grandmother's house, behind Paul's house, and I was back there shooting a 22, just walking through the woods, and I walked up on something that I'd never experienced in my life, and I 
was watching a man. I'm going to try to be very careful. So I know we have children in here, but I was watching three men, and they were having sexual relations with a young girl, and then I eventually heard her screaming and crying and realized that they were attacking her and molesting her, and I took off to run, and one of them saw me, and they caught me, and he took me back to where they were, and one of them took the belt out of his pants and tied my hands behind my back and tied me to a tree. And for several hours, I watched three men brutalize this young girl. And, uh, and then they came over, and one of them kept mocking me, and, and he was calling me the white boy, the white boy. And he said, we got to kill you, white boy. You can't rat on us. And he would tell me things. And he went and found some wire in the ground and put a lighter under it, and he would come over and get it red hot and stick it in my body, and I would scream and cry, and he would laugh. And, and that went on for a while, and I still have the scars in my body from that today. And, uh, and then when they finally were through molesting her, he came over and he said, we can't let you live. And I watched him take the bullets out of a, a revolver and he put one bullet in it. And three different times he spun the chamber and stuck the gun in my mouth and pulled the trigger playing Russian roulette with a 12-year-old boy. That was my introduction to sex, was the violent rape of a young girl. And I watched them take her away and they left me tied up. And I eventually untied myself and went to my grandmother's house, which was a shotgun house, went inside and hid in the back. And I remember getting her scrub thing she had in her uh, bathroom, and I just began to scrub my hands and my arms and, and didn't know what to do. And I never told anybody about that. From 12 to 38, that was my secret. And then at age 15, and my children have not heard this part, I, I, when Jabin died, I went through therapy. I went into my grandson, Brad's son, three years ago. I went into chronic depression. All of my theology was challenged when we lost Jabin. For six months, I couldn't pray or read the Bible. I was so angry at God for taking my grandson. And uh, in that therapy, they went all the way back to this childhood experience and began to pull out all of these things. It was the most painful journey of my life was the last two years in this therapy, but it's been the greatest healing of my life, and that's why I can share this with you today. But uh, in that, so at 12, I experienced that, and then at 15, we were in high, I was in ninth grade, and at that time, there was a lot of racial unrest down in the South Florida, and they would call in bomb threats at our school, and it would force them to send us all out to the big ball field, and they would have chains and, and sticks and things under the ground, and we would get into these racial fights, and we would fight out there, and it was a regular thing. And uh, I was, when that happened to me as 12, it made me an introvert in a sense that I, I didn't want to be around people. We would go to our family reunions. I would stay away. I didn't want to be around people. It caused me to withdraw. And then at, in the fifth grade, I was in a restroom and five young teenage black guys came in and they attacked me in the ninth grade and they, four of them held me down while another one took his belt buckle off and he put it between his fingers and drove his fist into my mouth. And if you look at my right big tooth, it's dark because that nerve was killed when they forced my big tooth to the roof of my mouth. And then they left me there. And I got up and pulled that tooth down, pushed it back in, and never told anybody. And it's still there. It's just got a dead nerve. But that created what that did. And I found out in therapy that what those men did to me pulled me inward. But what those five boys did to me is it ignited a fire in that event and created a rage inside of me of anger. And that anger owned me from 12, 15 to 38, really 40. And my wife and I got married and we moved to the South Bronx in 1980. And when we went to the Bronx, we were the token white people in this massive, powerful church in the Bronx. We were the only Caucasians in there. It was black and Hispanics mainly. 
So God took me out of this event with all this rage and anger from black, some black people and stuck us in a church to serve black people. Just think of the humor of God. And so relationships begin to build and God put a voice inside of me against injustice and for justice and, and preach against, uh, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the racism, I can't even think right now. This is so hard for me right now. You have no clue talking about this. And, but I became a voice against racism when it wasn't popular. And my family got death threats from the KKK, NAACP. We had recordings on my phone that they were going to kidnap my wife and rape her and my daughter. My daughter, Natalie, had to be escorted to every class in the first grade because of death threats against my family because we were voice against racism. And so all of that was going on, and, but this monster was still inside of me, and I knew it. And I didn't know what to do with it. And I went to some pastor friends and told them, and they patted me on the back and said, God's anointing's on your life. It's okay. But it wasn't okay. And finally, I went to one pastor in Ohio, and I took my wife with me, and I told him the story, and I was looking for help. And he looked at me with another pastor friend there, and he said, you sure you hadn't raped someone, and this is your way of dealing with it? And I got sick. My wife literally had to drive me home as I was throwing up. And I said, I'll never talk to another person about this again. And I didn't. And then in 1998, 40 years old, on the peak of my mountain in ministry, I'm preaching all across the country. I'm on television. I'm on TBN. I'm anywhere a 40-year-old preacher would want to be. My personal life, my emotional life, my physical life came under attack. My family came under personal attack as well as me. Emotionally, all of this that I went through as a child came alive. I began to have nightmares that my daughter now became that young girl that I'm watching get raped. And my wife would tell you, I'd wake up in the middle of the night screaming for my daughter because I'm watching my daughter get molested by these men. And during that moment, at the worst, darkest time of my life, a pastor down in South Florida called me and said, Dan, God told me to come and hand you a book and pray for you. And he did. And he brought me a book called God Meant It for Good by my favorite author, R.T. Kendall. And he prayed for me. And then R.T. Kendall came out with another book called Total Forgiveness. And he called me and said, get that book, Dan. I did. And I began to read it. And the Holy Spirit, and I'm saying all this to get to this point, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, you've got to go back to the very place your offense happened. And you got to forgive those men. And when you do, I'm going to free you. And I went back to Quincy, Florida, 40 years old. I went back to those woods and I found the tree that I was tied to because it was on the corner of a fence post. So I knew where it was at. And I had war. I didn't want to forgive them. I wanted to still be angry. I wanted to be mad. I wanted justice. I wanted them to pay for what they did to me. How can you do that? I didn't want to forgive, but the Holy Spirit kept saying, forgive, forgive, forgive. And finally, I released those men. And you've heard the story, Pastor Brad used it of the $20 bill. That's online everywhere, and it goes, unowned author. I'm the author. Because at that tree, I, had, I didn't realize that I'd pulled a $20 bill out of my wallet, and I had it in my hand, and I was crying, screaming at God, yelling at God. And I didn't realize I had that $20 bill rubbing it in the ground, pushing it against the root of that tree. And when I looked at it, it was torn and it was dirty. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, uh, how much is it worth? And I said, 20, it's torn, it's dirty, but how much is it worth? It's still worth 20. And the Holy Spirit said, that's you. He said, you've been torn, 
You've been dirtied. You've been offended. You've been hurt. You see yourself as a 10-cent piece, but I still see you as a $20 bill. Go home and preach my word. Speak against anything that's injustice. Point everyone you can of all race and all people to my son Jesus, and I'm going to watch the purpose of God, my plan fulfilled in your life. And I left that tree that day forgiving those three men, and it's never affected my life since that day. And I want to talk to you today, the power of total forgiveness. So I spent a lot longer right there, so I've got to hurry. But what is forgiveness? What is forgiveness? Thank you. I hope you'll give me your heart today, not just your ears, because I truly believe that God wants to free some of you today. Forgiveness means to give up resentment or right to revenge. It doesn't take away what happened. It's to give up a right for revenge, to grant relief from payment, to cease to feel resentment against and totally pardon. Ephesians, Paul said this in Ephesians 4, 31 through 32, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. And here's the part, man, we have a hard time with, just as Christ has forgiven you. It's not an option if you want to be free. See, we have two options today, and I'm just going to shoot straight from the hip with you. We can carry on this life miserable and owned by what someone did to us that we didn't ask for. Or we can let it go and watch the purpose and the plan of God fulfilled in our life. And the greatest revenge I can get on anyone today is not a personal revenge. It's revenge on the enemy that you tried to kill the purpose of God in my life. And it's not going to happen. I love one statement in R.T. Kendall's book on total forgiveness. He said, what impresses the world the most is changed lives for which there is no explanation. You can't explain a life that was broken so bad and now is smiling and happy. You're out there fulfilling the plan of God in your life. The greatest, greatest, greatest statement that will impress the world is not how good you can talk or how good you can sing. It's a life that has been changed without any explanation on why it could happen. Hebrews, Paul said, that's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. Then when he came before God as high priest to get rid of the people's sin, he would have already experienced it all himself, talking about Jesus. He experienced all the pain, all the testing, and he would now be able to help us where it's needed. Everything you and I experience in life, he's already experienced it. And that's why we can call on him, Abba, Father, in our time that I I don't need a provider right now. I don't need a Lord right now. I need a Father I need someone that I know covers me and will protect me in this time. Someone that can speak some word of wisdom in my heart. I need a father right now that can come and love me and secure me and let me know that even though I don't understand it, everything's going to be all right. But you see, one of the things, and I really encourage you, if you've gone through anything like this, get those two books from R.T. Kendall, God Meant It for Good and Total Forgiveness. And in that book, Total Forgiveness, he shares on what forgiveness is not. Because many of us have a hard time with forgiveness because we don't understand what is not. 
Forgiveness is not approving what they did to you. It's not okay. Forgiveness is not excusing what they did. They're not okay. Forgiveness is not justifying what they did. There was no excuse or reason for it. Forgiveness is not pardoning what they did. They're still responsible for the consequences of their actions against you with God. You just got to let God handle it with them. Forgiveness is not total reconciliation. It doesn't mean you're going on vacation with them next week. Forgiveness is not denying what they did. It's not forgetting what they did. You ever hear the phrase, well, just forgive and forget. Try it. Not going to happen. Forgiveness is not refusing to take the offense seriously. Forgiveness is not pretending that we're not hurt. Many of you know I'm writing a few books, and one of them is called It's Okay, and it's okay to not be okay. But it's also okay to be okay again. You see, forgiveness is not acting like nothing happened, pretending that we're not hurt. Jesus acknowledged his pain. Remember when he was struck by the high priest? Jesus turned and looked in the midst of pain and said, why did you hit me like that? Why did you strike me? He felt pain and acknowledged it. Forgiveness is acknowledging the reality of the offense and yet choosing to release yourself. Hear me. Forgiveness really has nothing to do with your offender. It has everything to do with you. Forgiveness is releasing yourself from the stronghold of the offender. So what is total forgiveness? I quickly dealt with what it's not, but what is it? How can you have peace in your heart regardless of what others might have done to you that you had no control over? I'm going to give you three steps today into total forgiveness. Two of them you're not going to like, you're going to hate, and you might hate me when this is over. They're impossible to do with just your mind and your emotions. They require faith. God is not asking you to do this on your own effort. If you could, you would have already done it. He's offering you his power and his Holy Spirit to help you do it. Number one is you must accept God's forgiveness. What's that have to do with me forgiving other people? Everything. I'll explain it. You've prayed, you've repented, you've apologized to God. I did it over and over and over. Yet most in the church today live a life of never feeling good enough, never feeling whole enough, never feeling worthy enough of God's blessing or favor in their life. It's not because they did something bad, it's because someone did something bad to them and they haven't been able to get over it. So the dirtiness, the unworthiness, the feeling of pain, the feeling of shame that was caused by someone else is causing me to feel unworthy to even accept the forgiveness of God in my own life. You're going to heaven, but you're going there all messed up. My wife played me a song going home from a dinner last night. I was up most of the night just trying to, and it said, uh, the only scars in heaven will not be mine or yours. They're just his because he bore ours. You see, our inability or lack of desire to forgive others is most often a sign that we have not forgiven ourselves, and we have not forgiven God for allowing this pain to happen to us. So I want to give you four signs that you've not accepted God's forgiveness in your life. Number one is distance. 
You begin to, it's a journey. You begin to distance yourself from God and those who have offended you and you get the I don't care mentality. You ever heard people around you go, I don't care. What did you hear about? I don't care. Well, you know what? I don't care. The I don't care mentality means I'm beginning to distance myself and that's my escape. I do care, but I can't let you know it. So I don't care. The distance then turns into walls. And the walls mentality is just forget it. It goes from I don't care to just forget it. Well, you can't deal with something you try to forget. And that's where the enemy wants you. Just forget it. Well, if you can forget it, why is it still owning you? You can't forget it. And the forget people begin to wall God and others who have offended you out of your life. And you even begin to change jobs to get away from certain people. You change churches because conviction begins to get a hold of you. And I can't deal with this here. God's trying to do something and I don't want to deal with it. You're like me at that tree dealing with forgiveness and I'd rather walk away and still be angry than get well. And then those walls turn into exaggeration. The enemy begins to deal with your mind and though your event was very real, you begin to exaggerate yourself in a sense of telling yourself every reason why God can't forgive you and why God can't accept you. And then you can't forgive others because you can't accept God's forgiveness in your own life, which then turns into the last one, and that's called hostility. It becomes personal now. Angry at God. You're the only victim, and everyone around you seems like an offender. Now you begin to attack God personally. You begin to attack the church and tell everybody what's wrong with it. Your Bible reading goes to nothing. Your prayer disappears. Your worship's non-existent now. You begin to attack others on social media, and the voice that God gave you to bring hope is now bringing destruction because there's hostility in your spirit. And it's a journey that shows that I personally have not accepted the forgiveness of God. Pastor Brad and I were trained in a, a counseling program called Theophostic Counseling, and it's a counseling that takes you to the root of the issue and helps you help others dealing with deep pain like this. And one of the things that they taught us in this theophosic training was that when you are living in unforgiveness, that when you suffer pain, I, I'm 63 now, but I'm going to be honest with you, I was 60 when I lost my grandson, and I became very angry at God and theophosic, and I did it. When you go through a, a serious pain in your life, you will immediately go back to the event the most painful event in your life and begin to act out of that. And when I lost my grandson and became so angry at God, I went back to a 12-year-old experience. And I've acted out like a 12-year-old. I acted out with the emotions and mentality of a 12-year-old. You did this, then I'm doing this. I didn't act out as a 60-year-old mature pastor and man. I acted out of a painful experience as a 12-year-old. And unconsciously, that's what we do. Are you with me? And so in Timothy, Paul again says, even though I was once a blasphemer and persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. And then he tells us in Isaiah, the prophet said, come now, and I love this scripture, 
Come now and let's bring it down to the south. Come on, y'all. That's what he's saying. Come on, y'all. This is, this is what he's saying. Let us settle this, says the Lord. This is God speaking to us, his children. We're hurt. We're broken. We haven't accepted his forgiveness. We feel like we don't deserve it. We don't want it if it means I've got to forgive others. What you do? And God's saying through the prophet, come on, y'all. Listen to what he says. Though your sins are like scarlet, I'm going to make them white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, I will make them white as wool. If you'll obey me. But Jesus said, come on, y'all. Let's, let's deal with this. Don't, don't keep living in this pain. Come on. Come on, y'all. Don't, don't let the enemy keep winning this battle in your mind and your emotions. Come on. Y'all, you're my children. I'm your father. Come on. Let's deal with this. I want to heal you. I want to bring hope in your life. I want to put you back on a path of purpose. You see, everything you have done or will do has already been paid for by the blood of Jesus. Paul said in Ephesians, oh, I wish that you could just grasp the enormity, the height, the depth, the breadth that God has in his love for you. Number two is you've got to freely give forgiveness. Oh, now it's going to get real quiet in here. Matthew 10, 8 says, freely you've received, freely you give. You see, God is saying, I didn't make you earn forgiveness you have no right to try to make someone else earn yours. And there's nothing they can do that will even come close to resolving the pain that they brought in your life. So what can they even do to get your forgiveness? The forgive, the forgiven, forgive. Second Corinthians again, Paul says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that no one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, Jesus did, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he was committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God, we were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, him, we might become the righteousness of God. He that knew no sin became sin so that we now can stand as sinless in the righteousness of God. And God's saying the same opportunity I gave you, you now must give to the person that offended you because their offense to you was not even close to our offense to him. And if he was willing to forgive us, we must desire. You hear what I'm saying? You can never forgive out of force. That's just fake words coming out of your mouth. It has to come to a place. I had people criticize me when I've forgiven people. When we went through that journey and we had many people attacking us personally. And, and God told me to take the main ones that were doing it out to lunch. And I did it all in a month, and I took them all out to lunch, and I sat across the table, and I paid for the meal. And I told them to their face, I want to release you because I'm going to be free from you. And I want God's favor and God's blessing upon you and your family. What you meant for evil, 
God meant it for good. You've got a desire to let people go so you can be free. And number three, pay it forward. Forgive first. Forgive first. Jesus didn't wait to see our response before he paid the ultimate price. He demonstrated his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I heard Pastor Brad say this. I'm going to skip some things because we're down at the end. Choices lead, feelings follow. Anybody remember that? Your freedom, now add this to it. Your freedom from your hurt, your wounds and failures of the past is to forgive yourself. You with me? Your freedom from your hurt, your failures, your past, your wounds is to forgive yourself. Your freedom to enter God's abundant favor and blessing in your future is to forgive others. Choices lead, feelings follow. I close with the story of Joseph. You've heard the story of Joseph, and Joseph was his father's favorite son, and he gave him the coat of many colors, and his brothers got jealous, and Joseph had a dream, and that dream was Joseph's purpose and his destiny for his life, that God was going to elevate Joseph into this place of leadership, and one day his brothers were going to bow down before him and serve him. He made a mistake of talking about it too soon to his brothers. They got angry. They threw him in a pit. Joseph felt betrayal. He knew what it was like to be rejected by his own family. He's then sold into slavery into Potiphar's house. And there he's elevated into a position in Potiphar's house. And then Potiphar's wife tries to have an affair with Joseph. And he rejects it. And she accuses him of rape. And he's thrown into prison. While he's in prison, he's in there with a bucket. And the brother's taken out of jail. And he's going before Pharaoh or before Potiphar. And Joseph said, hey, 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 when you get to him, will you do me a favor? Tell him I didn't do it. I don't belong here. God said, yeah, you do. Two more years. God left him in jail two more years. You don't know why? Because that dream had to be fulfilled. And Joseph was not ready to forgive his brothers yet. If God had let Joseph out of that jail at that time, he would have still been hostile toward his brothers. God was doing a work within him, getting him ready for that purpose and dream to be fulfilled. And after two more years in jail and the Holy Spirit working on Joseph, God let him out. And we all know the story that one day, Joseph's brothers was in the famine and they came. And Joseph had a different mindset. Now, it wasn't revenge. It wasn't retaliation. It was fulfilling the purpose. The dream had come true. And when his brothers came before him, the Bible said Joseph had to turn his head so they wouldn't see the tears. Because now he was moved with compassion, not revenge on his brothers that betrayed him and hurt him so deeply. And Joseph became the source of provision for not only his family, but for the entire nation. But here's what I want to say about this journey. That Joseph's journey was a journey of pain. And everybody look at me for one second. I know you're writing. Why don't you look at me? Your purpose is found and defined in your pain. Your purpose. Read the book. Every story in this book is a story of pain. Shipwreck, homeless, prison, bitten by vipers, beaten. There's a story of pain. And your event, the situation in my life, 
was part of the journey that Ephesians tells us that the enemy has a settled plan. It's not just a happenstance that you went through what you went through. It's not a happenstance that it was three black men that attacked me and five black teenagers that attacked me. It wasn't happenstance because God knew that my ultimate purpose was to be a voice against injustice and point every person to Christ. He knew that my purpose was this right here was my purpose. It was his destiny for my life. And he wanted to silence it. He wanted to kill it. He wanted to put it to death. But can I tell you, your pain pushes you into your purpose when you learn to forgive the very things Satan brought to destroy you is what God is going to use to develop you and bring you up that you can look down now on that that once owns you and say no more and in this church right now are two black families there are two of them right now Alan and Sherry Ponds four generations of that family have served with me and my wife in ministry for 28 years, four generations. The Polk family, Van Polk, four generations of the Polk family have been with us in ministry since 1993. They have stood by our side, been some of the best friends we've ever asked for. And when I look across this every Sunday morning, I get to tell the devil, you lost, man. You lost. You lost big time. And you're going to keep on losing. You're not going to win this battle. You're not going to win this war. I am who I am that God says I am. And I'm a victor, not a victim. I'm a winner, not a loser. And today I want to challenge you this morning. Let it go. Let them go. No more. No more. No more. Does that memory of that pain own you? I'm starting to scream again. I'm sorry. But I cannot be honest. It feels good to be free, man. It feels so good to be free. And that, and that doesn't mean you're not going to be misunderstood. That doesn't mean that thing. It doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes. But it sure feels good to be free. And today, God wants you free. He's your father. I, I'm closing, but my wife says that one day we were in our darkest time of pain and someone drove up to our house and they parked in front of our yard. And, and I didn't know who was in the van and my wife was sitting out in a chair and I walked out to see who it was and it was someone from a past ministry that we had and he stuck a knife in my heart and just turned it every way he can turn it and just ripped me to shreds. And I walked back into my house and I just had my head down and Kathy said, who was that? And, Y'all think pastoring's all fun. It's wonderful. I wouldn't want to do anything else, but it's painful too. Because you're dealing with people. And you're dealing with hurt people. And Kathy said, well, what was it? And I told her what they said. And I went back inside and I come back out. My wife was crying and nothing hurts me more than watching my wife cry when I know it's not in the presence of God. And I, I knelt down. I'll never forget. I knelt down and said, Kathy, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I failed you as a husband. I never should have shared with you what they said. I never should have told you. And I'll never forget my wife looking at me. She said, Dan, I'm not crying over what they said. I'm crying over what are we doing to the heart of our Father? What are we doing to the heart of our Heavenly Father that's loved us so much? And here's the body of Christ killing each other. He's supposed to be His children. What are we doing to the heart of our Father? And I want to say to you today, the heart of your Father is all for you. He wants you well. 
Don't keep hurting the heart of your father for revenge and, and hatred and, and all this stuff. Let it go. Don't keep crushing the heart of our father. Let's receive the love of our father today. Let him bring healing in our heart and in our life. Bow your heads with me. And Father, I just pray right now, God, for every person, God, I pray for healing. I pray for hope. I pray right now, God, that you will come and bring restoration and healing, God, in the hearts of every person here today. God, I don't know their journey. I've, I've tried to be as transparent without going too far today in my journey, Lord. And, and I, I just thank you, God, that you're a God of love and restoration of all things. And, Father, there's a purpose in every one of us. And it's not us the enemy's trying to destroy today. It's our purpose. It's our reason for being here. And so, God, I pray for those today that have gone through deep pain, deep heartache, deep sorrow. I pray today, God, that you'll help them, Lord, in this journey, God, that you'll open their eyes and let them realize, God, that holding all this, this, this feeling, God, is only destroying themselves, God. I pray today that you'll help them as you're helping me, that God, let it go and walk in the fullness of the joy of the Lord. And let your purpose and your plan take place in their life. And real quick, before we go, I know I've gone over. I, I want you right now, and I, I want everybody to just bow your heads and, and, and I close your eyes for a minute. We don't always do this, but I, I feel to do this. If you're here right now, and, and this is not anything to do with me or anyone else, but this word's for you, and you've gone through a great, great experience that, that has deeply owned you. It has controlled your emotions in your life, and today you, you realize it, and God's saying, there is something you can do with this. I want you to hand it to me. Lay aside the weight that so easily besets you, ambushes you over and over again. I want to pick it up and I want to help you. And you can say today, Pastor Dan, if God will help me, I want to forgive. I want to walk away from this. I want to release those people that hurt me. And I want to be free. If that's you, would you just sort of hand up to God? And that's just telling God, Lord, I receive your word today. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to point you out. Not, nothing like that. This is just a sign of you saying, God, this is a word for me today, and I'm letting it go. I'm not going to live anymore with this. I'm going to be free in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for every person that's got a hand up right now. I pray for healing. I pray for hope. I pray right now, God, that you will bring a word every day, every day. Let the Holy Spirit speak hope in each one of these lives. I pray, God, for your forgiveness for us as we forgive those who have deeply hurt us. Thank you for freedom today. Come on, somebody say that with me. Thank you for freedom today. Come on, declare that with me as we close. Thank you for freedom today, Father. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's thank God for his word today. Can we just, I just wanna pause for a second. And uh, we don't always do this. We're going to do it today. And uh, I want to invite any of my pipeline graduates that are here, any of my coaches that are in the room, and any of my staff that's in the room, if you'll just come forward for me. We're going to I want you to cover just the front of this stage. I don't believe God is done yet with some of us. And I believe some of us, we need someone to pray with us. We need someone to agree with us. And we want to, we need to, we need to get in the face of somebody and say, hey, I don't just want, I, yes, thank you, Pastor Dan, for praying, but I need to get some of this out of me. I need to deal with some of this. And so we got our team up here. They've been wanting to pray. Some of y'all can shift to the left over here for me if you can. But I believe that God wants to do a supernatural healing. So before we give you the opportunity to come forward, here's what we want to do. 
I want you to close your uh, eyes and bow your heads in here today. We prayed for healing, but some of us need to start with Jesus before we can go to healing. And if you're in this room and you need Jesus to give you a fresh start, sins wiped away, new beginning, I want you to pray this prayer with me out loud. Just say, dear Jesus, forgive me. I believe in you. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to give you some updates real quick. If you can be joining us for Next Steps, it's going to be down the hall in a different room. Ask the, the venue control person at the end of the hallway. They'll help you get there. All right? But here's what I want to invite you to do for just a second. I want you to close your eyes, standing, if you'll stand with us all across this place. And for some of us, we need a supernatural, we need real healing right now in Jesus' name. So right now, God, we just pray, Father, that you would meet the need of every heart, God. Lord, I pray that you would come searching. You were, the goodness never left us. It came running after us. And so, God, right now, I pray that you start to penetrate the heart, Father. Lord, that you start to look for the ones, God, that have been holding on. We've been gripping. We've been grabbing at anger, we've, bitterness, unforgiveness, and frustration. It happened to us, God. So right now, Lord, I pray that you release in Jesus' name everything that's been holding us down, Father, and that you would set into motion a plan of freedom, God, that we could pursue you. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. If you're here right now, the team is going to get ready to lead us in song. But if you need prayer right now, you need to deal with some of the things on the inside. I just want you to go ahead, step out of your seat and come forward. All right? So don't worry about anybody around you. Don't nobody else need freedom. You need freedom. And so if you need freedom, come on, just come on and move down to the front and let God start doing all People are moving already. So go ahead and just step out. Come down and start getting prayer. Team, go ahead and get ready to lead us in song. Father, we thank you for today. God, for those that will be leaving in the next few minutes, God, be with us as we leave today, God. But I pray that no one leaves here the same as they walked in. In Jesus' name, we thank you today and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.